The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody out there? Sam Franco, Chris Brain, back with another episode of the Crossover Podcast here on 960theref.com. Brain, a very special episode because this is episode 34 oh, of the Crossover. Out. So we, should we stop after this <laughs> one? Then, we might as well just going? retire it. Yeah, yeah, might as well throw it out. But uh, yes, episode 34 of the Crossover, and we've got plenty to get to on this Herschel episode we will talk about the falcons and their win over the bucks on monday night football we'll also talk about georgia basketball uh we're recording this on wednesday uh today's date is wednesday december 20th the beginning of the early signing period uh so we'll also talk about last night's win over georgia tech for the uh, georgia basketball team very convincing win over georgia tech and uh probably won't hit too much on signing this early signing period stuff because a lot of it is still ongoing but as of this recording, uh, Jamari Sawyer and James Cook both have signed for Georgia. Not just committed, but signed. So very good uh, signs for the class, and, um, and it will continue to get better and better, I'm sure. But we'll talk a little more uh, Georgia and their preparation for the Rose Bowl coming up as well as they've uh, started to practice. Although, as we're recording, this is pretty nasty outside right now, so they may be going indoors. <laughs> In- indoors to the JPP indoor practice facility? That's right, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, we'll start things off uh, on this episode with some Falcons talk as the Falcons uh, got their magic number down to one for clinching a playoff spot. They just have to win one of their last two games to get in the playoffs as a wild card. Uh, but if they win both games uh, at New Orleans and then uh, at home against Carolina, they will be the NFC South champions for the second year in a row. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta was um, – it, 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 it's weird how the second halves have gone for the Falcons this year, going all the way back to the uh, to the Super Bowl. But even Monday night, I mean, the, the win over uh, Detroit, uh, the win over Seattle, mm-hmm. a couple of these like key tiebreakers the Falcons have. You think they had big leads and then couldn't score in the second half – had to survive last drives. I mean, the, the Lions had it right there at the goal line. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bucks were in position. They missed a 54-yard field goal. But Atlanta's sitting there right now with, what, the same record they had last year That's at right. this time? Mm-hmm. Uh, now the schedule between the Saints and the Panthers, both of those teams are going to be in the playoffs. So it's going to be tough these next two weeks. There's definitely no guarantees that Atlanta's going to close out and uh, and win both of these games. I don't necessarily I, think that the, the Saints and Panthers have clinched yet. Because if the Falcons win both of these games and one of the two teams loses their other game, so they, they, they go 0-2, then I think you know Dallas and I think that uh, Detroit, I think some of these teams are still alive. Yeah, like I think the Lions still have a, uh, have a decent shot to get in. If you look at who Detroit's lost to this year, every one of Detroit's losses is to a team that right now would be in the playoffs or has a mm-hmm. winning record. So they've got Cincinnati this week, and then they close with Green Bay, who have shut down Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Detroit's won every game like that this season, so I feel like they've got a good chance to win out and end up 10-6, and six, which you know puts the pressure on Atlanta to, to definitely grab at least one of these last two games. Yeah, Detroit and Seattle both have that chance to get to 10-6, and six, and looking at other tiebreaker scenarios, uh, Detroit did lose to the Panthers 
and they lost to the Saints. So they've lost. So Detroit is going to have a very tough time. The only way Detroit can get in, it looks like, is if the Falcons lose their last two games. Yeah, and so I mean, Detroit's got to win their uh, last two to get in on that. Seattle and Dallas play this weekend, so one of those teams is going to eliminate the other one with a guaranteed loss, and the other one, I guess, would still have a bit of a pulse. Yeah, Seattle, the only uh, NFC South team they played was the Falcons. So, right. Uh, so their tiebreaker with uh, New Orleans or with uh, Carolina would be a little trickier than Atlanta's just because Atlanta has the straight-up, you know, we beat you tiebreaker. And same with Dallas. Dallas, uh, the Falcons, I believe, the only N- NFC South team that Dallas has played too, so they're in trouble there. I'm trying to, off the top of my head then, um, you know, I don't know what Detroit has, uh, I guess Detroit lost to the, I think Detroit lost to the Saints and I'm Panthers. I'm they lost to both. Yeah, and then they beat the Bucks. yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, the Bucks yeah, really matter. they lost to the Panthers – 27 to 24 and they lost to the Saints 52 to 38. Yeah, the Lions need the Falcons to lose twice and the Lions need to win out. That's their Yes, that's how they get in. Yeah. That's pretty much their only way that they get in. So I would think that of all the teams that are in the the wild card hunt that uh maybe Dallas. I don't really look at them the same although I should. Um but uh Dallas has a shot and uh, and Seattle has a shot. The Lions just looks like so much of an uphill battle. Yeah, the the key for Dallas is I mean, they got to beat Seattle this week, and then right. they close with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, the Eagles, even though they've lost Carson Wentz, are probably still going to be fighting that last game of the season for um, you know a chance to at least get home field advantage, one of the top two seeds, and be able to sit out a uh, a week, but. You know, I guess with Philadelphia, you really can't ask the question about whether or not they'll be resting their starters because, uh, I mean, their starting quarterback is already out anyway. Sorry, so. but Nick Foles didn't look too bad last week. No, I mean, at least he's been, you know, he's started before and he yeah. had a good year under Chip Kelly when uh, when Kelly was there. So he's not completely unseasoned and inexperienced. Like, you know, what, what happened to the Raiders last year when Derek Carr got hurt late in the season and they ended up having to play a playoff game on the road with Connor Cook, who had never even made a start in the mm-hmm. NFL. And you raise a good point there, and getting back to the Falcons and Bucks game real quick, how the Falcons just kind of uh, seem to have trouble holding on to these leads. I mean, they were up 17-7 to uh, going into the halftime of this game, and then, yeah, they, they allowed two touchdowns there in the second half. And why is this? Why do the Falcons tend to get out to big leads or get out to leads and then kind of fade as the game goes on? Are they not well-conditioned? I mean, I don't understand well, why this keeps happening. It, it's, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's been on the offense. When you go back to the game against the Lions, the Falcons' offense scored a touchdown there. The game against the Packers, after they were up, was, was Atlanta up 24-7 in that game? And then Atlanta did not score an offensive touchdown in the second half. Their only touchdown was on a pick six. Um... Yeah, and, and you know they had obviously eased off the gas. Thirty-four to twenty-three was the final in that game. So the Falcons were up thirty-one to seven after the uh, fumble return from uh, Desmond Trufant, and then they didn't score again other than a field goal for the rest of right. the game. Right, but then the the loss to the Dolphins. They had the uh, big lead there, and then Jay Cutler scored every possession they had in the second half. Smoking Jay Cutler. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been it's been a weird thing. And then you know this past Monday night, it's the Bucks were missing their two best players on defense because Gerald McCoy was out and Vernon Hargraves was out, and Atlanta. I mean they scored one touchdown in the second half against uh, just a beaten up Bucks defense. So I don't know if do they get those big leads and suddenly go conservative? But you would think that if there's a team that would have learned a lesson about not doing that, it would have been the Falcons, considering they have uh, the worst loss in sports history uh, attached yes, to the, their name. So. Yes, they do. You think they would have tried to uh, correct that. But 
hey, they're winning these games, and they're winning close games. I mean, if you look at what the Falcons have done this season in terms of winning close games, six-point victory to start the season over uh, Chicago. You know, the, the game against uh, the Packers was an 11-point win. Probably wasn't that close. A four-point win against the Lions. Uh, you have a five-point win against the Jets. A three-point win against the Seahawks. A three-point win against the Saints. Three-point win against the Bucks. So, I mean, they've been winning these one-possession games, which – Good teams find a way to win these games. Yeah, and uh, if Atlanta gets into the playoffs, the now there hasn't been a team that's had to win three playoff games and make and make the Super Bowl since the Ravens did it in 2012. Um, but the NFC playoffs are going to be weird this year because the top two seeds are looking like it's going to be the Vikings with Case Keenum at quarterback and the, the Eagles. Eagles with Nick Foles, leaving in all likelihood Drew Brees – Cam Newton and Matt Ryan as three other quarterbacks in the NFC playoffs. All three of those guys are MVPs. All three have played in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and so yeah, if Atlanta, if Atlanta can you know at least win one of these last two games and get into the playoffs, I think Atlanta still has a good shot of maybe making it back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I'll say this with the Falcons uh, looking at the NFC right now. Uh, if the playoffs started today in the wild card round, uh, the four or five matchup would be Saints and Panthers, which would be kind of funny that you have an NFC South matchup there. And the Saints have beaten them twice. That's right. Already. And the three six matchup would be Rams and Falcons. I don't know if I like that matchup for the Falcons, particularly the way Todd Gurley's been running the ball lately. Yeah, I mean the only what I would like about it though is when you do get to the NFL playoffs, it's about quarterbacks. And you're going up against a first year starter at quarterback. Yeah. Basically. And Atlanta would have it'd be Matt Ryan against Jared Goff. Now Goff has had a, a good year. Uh, with Sean McVay there. I mean, that entire Rams offense has. But, um, you know, there's a, the other thing, too, is if there's a place you have to go on the road, it's not like the Rams have a huge home field advantage out they don't. there. So. No, the L.A. Coliseum, not, not you know, they're waiting for their big new stadium to be built. But uh, it's very interesting the, the way that the NFC is broken down. Not so much in the AFC. Things are a little bit more settled. In fact, in the uh, you only have the two teams that have clinched playoff spots in the NFC, you have three in the AFC with the Patriots, Steelers, and Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars have clinched. Uh, you have the uh, Chiefs in the fourth spot, and then your wild cards right now would be the Titans and the Bills with the Ravens and Chargers uh, kind of nipping at their heels. But uh, it's crazy how you have the Jaguars and the Rams. Well, basically, I mean, the NFC, you've got Philly, Minnesota, uh, who pr- going into the season, I'm sure people thought Green Bay was going to win that division. I think Green Bay was actually a pretty uh, good Super Bowl pick for a lot of people. Yeah. In terms Unless, of the they, be honest, they would have if Aaron Rodgers well, hadn't gotten hurt. Of course, <laughs> but uh, you've got uh, just a, a lot of new blood. It seems like, uh, other than the NFC South, which the NFC South has been one of the best divisions in football. I know the Panthers had a setback last year, and the Saints weren't very good. But just in terms of the quarterbacks, I mean, the NFC South, especially this year, has been the best division in football. Yeah, and I mean, I think even going back to the preseason when the oddsmakers released season win totals for every one of the division. They I were think all hovering the around was the eight. same. Yeah, it yeah. was the Bucks, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, there was, you know, basically you looked at a, a forecast there where every team in the NFC South had a chance to maybe finish around 500. I mean, now Tampa's going to go below that line, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, you look, three of the quarterbacks in the division and Ryan Breeze and, and Newton are likely all going to end up back in the playoffs. They've all won MVP awards and they've all been to Super Bowls. I mean, if the Falcons win one more game, like I said, they're in because then the, the worst they could finish is 10 and six. And the best that both Detroit, the best that Detroit, Seattle and Dallas can finish is 10 and six, yeah, which they- guess what? The Falcons have the tiebreaker over them. So yeah. Win I mean, one game. That's it. That's all they got to win one more. But here's the thing. If. Somehow they win in New Orleans this weekend. 
what do you do in Week 17? Do you go all out and try to win the division? Or, because, I mean, we it, it's a tough scenario to be in. I mean, if you win the division, you're probably, you're either going to be the three or the four seed. So, I don't think it really matters other than home having field. a game at home. I think, yeah, I mean, you got to you get so a game So, you got to try home. to win the division. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just. But they you know, can't get one of the top two seeds at this point, they right? They cannot, yeah. no. The the most the Falcons can win is 11 games. Um, well, no, because the, the Vikings, even if they lose both, would be 11-5, but they'd have the head-to-head tiebreaker yeah. on Atlanta. So Atlanta can at best finish with the three seed. Yeah, but yeah, I, mean, I think you got to try and do that and at least get a home game. Yeah, get one home game. Do what you can do. So if, if, if that happened, then you figure the Falcons would move up to the three – would it likely then eliminate either the Panthers or the Saints, one of those two, and, and maybe bring like the Lions into the picture so Atlanta would be hosting Detroit well, possibly? Well, remember, the Lions also lost to the Panthers and Saints. So, uh, you know, they would have a tougher time. Maybe Seattle, maybe Dallas. But um, even if, like, the Falcons win both of those games, say, say the Falcons beat the, the Saints and then beat the Panthers, I think both teams have a game against the Bucks also. So yeah. I think I think the Panthers play the Bucks this weekend, this week, and then yeah. the Saints play, or yeah, the Saints play them in, in Week 17. So you could have a scenario where the Falcons end up as the as the three or four seed, and then you have uh, Carolina and New Orleans there in the wild card. So you could end up playing, you know, one of these teams. hosting one yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. So it could end up where like the Falcons could do the deal where they end up playing the Panthers back twice, to back, back weeks. to back. I remember the Dolphins doing that once against the Patriots and oh. the Bills. It's happened to them before. Yeah, that doesn't usually uh, go too well if you're the Dolphins and the Patriots, but uh, no, the Dolphins lost both games and they <laughs> lost they lost both to the Bills too. Oh, rough. All right, so there's your kind of NFL rundown uh, again. Big game for the Falcons against the Saints this weekend. And if the Falcons beat the Saints and the Panthers beat the Bucks, very good chance that Falcons Panthers gets flexed to the uh, the Sunday night game in Week 17. So that would be on New Year's Eve. Um, yeah, be a New Year's is that Eve. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, to ring in the New Year with the Falcons and the Panthers. That's right. New Year's at Eve. The Benz. One, right now it's 1 p.m. But again, like I said, that game could be flexed. Yeah, I think all the games right now have like probably. I think Jags and Titans is also a possibility to get flexed. But I mean, if you're looking at it, well, that could because that could be for the division. But this could also be for the division. Yeah. So well, if you're looking at the two games, Atlanta, Carolina is much more attractive than Tennessee, Jacksonville. Yeah. Well, probably because the Jags are already in. I guess potentially the. You know, the one of those teams in Atlanta and Carolina could end up getting left out if they lose. I don't know. That's or, true. Or the true. Panthers could if the Falcons win Sunday. Yeah, but in. I just don't see the I don't see the Panthers losing to the Bucks. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, the Bucks even got you know, more injuries on that Monday night game on top of the ones that they already had. So yeah. you got to figure they're probably in shutdown mode. This is the crossover on 960theref.com. Sam Franco and Chris Brame along with you. Thank you for joining us. And we'll switch gears now to Georgia basketball. As the dogs crushed Georgia Tech at the Segment Coliseum, eighty to fifty-nine, and you know Yante Mayton continues to be the driving force for Georgia. He scored twenty-four points, but Rayshon Hammonds looked good with eleven. Uh, you had three other starters: Ogbede, Parker, and Turtle Jackson, scoring nine points apiece. Uh, Jordan Harris with eight points off the bench, and uh, even a guy like Atorian Willridge hit a big three and also had a nice little dunk there. So the the the, the Bulldogs really owning uh, that game uh, against Georgia Tech and, and, you know, having beaten them two years in a row now in both games 
last year's over in uh, at McCamish Pavilion and this year's over at the Stegman Coliseum, or hashtag the Steg. Georgia Tech has looked really sloppy in both of them. It just so happens that Georgia also looked sloppy last year over in Atlanta, and this year they did not. <laughs> no, and I mean, did Georgia, it doesn't feel like they even missed a shot in the second half. They came out, they were blazing hot. Oh, um, they were stroking it for sure. Yeah, no I mean, the, it's like the, the only bad possessions Georgia had, they were they turned it over a couple times, but I feel like they when they shot it, they made it. And, you know, it's 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 funny watching Yante Maton this season because you could definitely see that. I mean, his game is, is has become more perimeter-oriented. It really has, and he's knocking down the shots. He's knocking them down, and it's definitely like this guy's basically proving to NBA scouts that, all right, you're not going to be a center in the NBA. you got to show that you've got some sort of ability to create and make your own shots, and that's one what thing he's, he's doing. One thing he's got to do better, though, is not just take threes from the top of the key. Because it seems like that's the only place he'll shoot that shot. That is from. his money money spot. It is a yeah, money spot, but, but he, he needs to show you know maybe around the perimeter more so. diversity. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't care if it, if it doesn't affect Georgia, it doesn't bother me. But I'm just saying for his pro prospects, he he needs to show a little more range. But uh, in terms of not just shooting those threes from the top of the key, but his mid range game has improved very much. You know, his touch around the basket, uh, some of those uh, hook shots uh, and things that he does look really nice. And getting back to Rayshon Hammonds, there was one play where Hammonds was, like, right underneath the basket. I mean, you couldn't get any more underneath the basket. And he, like, jumps back, like, backwards and throws it down with one hand. Yeah, he had a big three, too. Right. And that just shows you that 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 kid is going to be a a very special player for Georgia. And, yeah, he had two threes on the night. It's funny, the – you know, looking at the makeup of this team when he had Maiton and Ogbede and that front court presence, but I think there's only like three teams in the country that have taken a fewer percentage of their shots around the rim. I mean, Georgia has been basically a, a jump-shooting team this season. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they've also shown that I think with Derek and with Yante and with Rayshon, they have some some beef down low, and, and they've been doing very well on the glass. I mean, they out-rebounded Tech by seven last night. Um, including, um, you know, on the offensive glass, Georgia got seven. Tech did out-rebound them on the offensive glass, but on the defensive glass, I mean, Georgia out-rebounded by 11. Yeah. So, I mean, the dogs were doing very good around the rim. And I think more and more to see Jordan Harris come in, and, you know, he's kind of – I don't know if it's been in the doghouse or been hurt, but he hasn't played as much. But he uh, definitely had a, a very important uh, performance for the dogs last night. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even play the first couple games of the no. season, mysteriously no. absent, but he's, you know, gotten more and more minutes and started to work his way uh, in there. And, you know, Crump has had a few moments, too. Turtle Jackson had a big tournament out in Fullerton. That was a, a big part of why Georgia had some success out there. So, you know, looking at the – there's only one more game now left in the non-conference, and that's against Temple mm-hmm. uh, here in Athens. And, you know, I don't know that Georgia has any real – I mean, losing at UMass I don't think is – is shameful. They they just didn't look good in the game. That was the only problem. I mean, to be down what eight to nothing before you even take a shot, and then down sixteen to two at the first media timeout at, at under sixteen minutes. You know, it's like, oof, those just, yeah. they got blitzed. Man. I just I don't I, you know I don't know that that's going to be a loss. That you know if Georgia has a nice year in the SEC, is going to where the selection committee is going to hold that against them that much. Well, they've gotten but, some they've gotten some good wins here in the non-conference, which which I think will help them. Out. Yeah, and Temple. Now this is a game over the last couple of years we've seen Georgia lose, like last year when Marquette came here, mm-hmm. Kansas State a couple of years ago and won. Is Georgia not really being able to get that marquee? home victory and tech's a big rival but that does not count as a marquee home win because they're not any good but um but like temple that's 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 the type of home victory that's eluded georgia for the last couple of seasons non-conference exactly so the dogs need to win this one and then get ready for a new year's eve tilt 
with the Kentucky Wildcats at Rupp Arena. Yeah, that's, I, just, it, that's just the the conference not doing Georgia any favors on the schedule. No, but I said that the an interesting look at them. Keep on Kentucky plays Louisville that Friday before. That's on right, twenty ninth. So right. and uh, Georgia's last game is going to be this one against Temple. So, so the they dogs, got a little bit more rest, a little bit more time to get ready. Yeah, and meanwhile Kentucky's going to play this big rivalry game. That let's face it, Georgia's in the SEC. But if you ask Kentucky, would you rather beat Georgia or Louisville? The answer is Louisville. Oh, 100%. So, you know, I think there's there's going to be a, a lot of emotion in that. And then all they're going to get a day off. And then, oh, look, by the way, now you have to start SEC play, too. Now, it's going to be at home for them. But I think Georgia, if there's a situation when you've got to go play Kentucky and Rupp Arena, that's about as ideal as you're ever going to find just uh, two days after they've played Louisville. And Georgia's played them tough at Rupp. You know, the last few Last year, Georgia should have beaten them. That's what I'm saying. So, Georgia's played Kentucky over the last two or three years pretty darn tough. Well, even, I mean, the the game last year in Athens was uh, close, too, and considering that Mayton got hurt before the first uh, official timeout. Right, and for Georgia to hang like they did. Yeah, I mean, ended up, it was a single-digit game. That good J.J. Frazier was, man. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's so been it's both been, games you know. last year were tight. But I'll say this, you know, last year it was really Frazier and Maiden, and that was it in terms of you know the guys you could really depend on for scoring. This year it looks like Georgia's a lot deeper in that department, and that's going to help them in, in SEC play. You know, you've got a Maiden, you can go to Rayshon Hammonds, uh, Turtle Jackson, and I, I do want to single him out here because he there are so many things. Again, he scores nine points last night, uh, hits a three, hits some free throws. But there are so many things he does to pace the offense and run the team. I think he has done a tremendous job taking over as the as the main point guard. Yeah, and I think he you know he really emerged as that guy that needed to get those minutes at that position. And that when they went out to California and played that tournament, mm-hmm. I thought he was really outside of you know Mayton. He was the the MVP of the team for those uh, couple of games. No doubt about it. So Georgia basketball uh, doing uh, the university proud. Uh, last night as the uh, football team was also honored at halftime uh, with uh, they wheeled out the uh, not just the SEC championship trophy but also the Governor's Cup not that they were trying to rub it in Tech's face no of course you wouldn't do that and and it's funny when they were telling me like uh, before the game they're like hey we're gonna honor the football team here's your script you got to read for them (laughs) they they were like it'd probably be like 15 20 football players I think it was the entire damn team that came out. I mean, that yeah, was, I saw the yeah. the picture. Of it was like the whole team. It looked like out it had there. to be the whole yeah, team. Yeah, so that was pretty. Like, cool. did you see? I mean, did you see From? I saw From. Okay, Rodrigo, Roquan, all those guys. Jacob Eason was a little strange because he was standing off kind of to the side, and he was wearing like a pair of like bedroom slippers and like a Patagonia T-shirt and some sweatpants. He did not look like he was super like. Enthused, right? About well, hey, at least you know. he was there. That's yeah, good. no, I mean, it what is about what it is. now? Hey, was Natres Patrick there? Ooh, I did. I should have looked for him. That, you know, the thing cool. about football players is, outside of like the, I mean, like Chubb, Michelle, Fromm, Eason, guys like that, I wouldn't recognize any of them outside of their uniform. That's a great point. I mean, some of them, you know, you've seen their faces, you know, you've seen them in interviews and stuff. Yeah, like you said, Chubb, Michelle, those guys are easy. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean. I don't know if I could tell you, and even some of Georgia's better players. Like, I don't know if I could tell you what DeAndre Baker looks like. I don't know if I could tell you what Dominic Sanders looks like. I, I, tell, I wouldn't know what Roquan Smith looked like if he wasn't wearing number three. That's a good I point. I mean, that's one, too. Like, if you, if I had, it was Roquan, was Roquan Smith there? Yeah. 
Okay. Like, I wouldn't even know what he looked like. Well, like, and that's the thing, too. I mean, there, there's a there, there's this big thing with football where it's more about the team and, and, and the NFL doesn't really, you know, push their stars because they're wearing helmets. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of hard to, to see them. But yeah, but I mean, look at all the, the NFL with all, the, again, the debate about ratings, ratings, ratings. Consider every star in the NFL that's hurt this season. Like, well, maybe that has something to do. Man, Antonio Brown now the latest, but Odell Beckham, Andrew Luck hasn't played all year. Um, you just think about Aaron Rodgers got hurt. I mean, there's a ton, ton of great players that have spent either all or a significant part of the season injured. But hey, we have some great prospects on the horizon as, uh, with the Carolina Panthers, you know, Jerry Richardson looks like he's going to sell the team. How awesome would a like combined bid from like Diddy and Oprah be to buy the Panthers? Well, I saw Diddy though. He was referring to them as the North Carolina. He Panthers. said the North Carolina Panthers. He also said he would sign Colin Kaepernick and have him compete for the starting job. You have a quarterback that two years ago just won the MVP. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, but Steph Curry said he'd be in on the ownership group. Well, Curry at least is from there. Yeah, like, would make sense. He would know that they're the Carolina Panthers, about and not a, the North Carolina Panthers. How about a Steph Curry and Diddy bid for yeah. the? Uh, I, I mean, the ask Panthers. the Marlins though how things are going with their celebrity uh, owner. Just ridiculous, by yeah. the way. That whole thing is absurd, and and I'm glad we got to this because we have about five minutes left, so we can kind of. Use this as a. I said we may talk about George in the Rose Bowl. We, we talked about the dogs a little bit there with their George being is going to beat Oklahoma in the Rose okay, Bowl. Okay, good. We're, yeah. we're good on that. We've, okay. we've covered that. that. That's one thing I did want to talk about though is this whole Derek Jeter and the and the Miami Marlins nonsense because you know he, what am I going to call him here? Uh, covert op Derek Jeter sends the best hitter in baseball to his former team for peanuts for like nothing. I know. Well, that's the thing. And the then Braves it, got more for Matt Kemp than the Marlins got. For John Carlo freaking Stanton. They and they also traded Marcelo Zuna to the Cardinals. I believe I was in in both of those trades where they gave they gave away Ozuna and Stanton, they didn't get a single top one hundred prospect in return. Not one. For for Marcelo Zuna and Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, that's absurd. And yeah, I mean that I mean I don't that's one of those where you're like, how did Major League Baseball really allow that uh trade to happen but maybe that's what diddy's talking about because i'm you know diddy's a new yorker right so he probably likes yeah. the giants so what his he's probably thinking like yeah i'm gonna buy the panthers and sign colin kaepernick and you know why because i'm gonna trade uh, cam newton to the giants <laughs> and uh <laughs> and load the giants up with Newton. and then we're gonna have colin kaepernick and then we'll have colin kaepernick the uh so the the problem that i have with all this though is in, and uh, you know I've been listening to uh, the Levitard show, which is based out of Miami, and they talk about this a lot because they think that Major League Baseball has screwed the city of Miami here, and I'm kind of starting to agree with them because there was a Cuban American businessman who wanted to buy the Marlins. Uh, his name's Jorge Mas. Uh, he is a graduate of the University of Miami and the chairman and co-founder of Mas Tech, a five billion dollar infrastructure and construction corporation based in Coral Gables. That guy being the owner of the Marlins would make way more sense. For the city of Miami. And he, this guy apparently also promised to bolster payroll, to invest in the team. Derek Jeter has done nothing but strip the team for parts, and he's trying to like rebuild this thing all over again. So if you're a uh, citizen of Miami, you're a fan of the Marlins, you have every right to be pissed off. I mean, well, of course. And then, yeah. and like, Jeter. They saddled you with that giant stadium and the taxpayers, and it's like, what are you doing here? Like, the, nobody wants to go to these games, especially with a team that doesn't have 
John Carlos Stanton doesn't have um, Marcelo Zuna. Like, doesn't have these good players. And imagine, they weren't even going to the games when they had those guys. I mean, think exactly. about what it's going to be like this year. But that's the thing. If you'd had a Cuban businessman owning the team, the community in Miami would have rallied around that. Instead, Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball wanted so desperately for Derek Jeter to be a man or to be an owner of a team that they only made him throw $25 million or so into a bid that cost $1.2 billion. And then he barely throws any money in on the bid, but yet he's like the face of the team. And now he's like running the team. And that's like what. what but he didn't go to the owners' meetings. What, but also, like, what makes him qualified to like run a team? Just Nothing. Because he played shortstop for the Yankees. That's for the thing. Major League Baseball is so obsessed with like having the squeaky clean image. Like, oh, if we have Derek Jeter as an owner, that would make great sense for the. No, it doesn't. You know what makes sense? Having local ownership that actually cares about the city and cares about the team. That's why Arthur Blank has been so great for the city of Atlanta. He cares about Atlanta. He cares about you know the the Falcons and and and, and bringing Atlanta United. That, that there is a genuine connection with the owner to the group. That's why I hate the fact that Liberty Media owns the Braves. They don't have any connection to the city of Atlanta. Right, they're just a faceless entity. Right. Yeah. They're responsible for hotel rooms having porn. Exactly. That's that's what they Correct. do. That that doesn't represent the community Spectre at all. Vision. Exactly. Yeah. But then you look at, at the Falcons and then Land United in, in combo there, and they have local ownership that actually cares. So what would have been best for the Marlins is probably this Cuban businessman buying the team. What's best for Major League Baseball? Apparently they think it's having Derek Jeter be the face of a team and, and scrapping it for parts well, and, and making the city and community of Miami very mad. Having the Yankees good, I guess, is pretty good for Major League Baseball. So they got the legendary Yankee to uh, buy the Marlins and then send the best player to the Yankees for nothing. I mean, it's 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 like Derek Jeter has no idea what he's doing. Either that or he has every idea what he's right. doing. I know that's the other yeah, And it's to screw the over the city of Miami. Yeah. Which is terrible. Right. It's just like he's, it, Their diabolical plan is their, it's, it's proceeding exactly as they had uh, dreamt it. Well, and you and I both have you know, ties to that community. I have a bunch of family that lives down there. You know, you went to the University of Miami for a little while. So it's obviously not the best sports town, but at the same time, they deserve better than this. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've won a couple World Series with the Marlins, um, but just from the, the, the debt that they got mm-hmm. saddled with the stadium to begin with, and then that owner, I mean, that owner, Loria, was just a, he was an art collector. He was. Who then ended up increasing the value of that franchise by, with little investment of his own. Well, and he signs John Carlos Stanton to that ridiculous contract that, that he signed him to. It's like, well, that's the thing. If you're going to sign him to that contract, he should be in the team for a few years, not just sign him to a contract and then get rid of him the next year. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you think he costs too much. But having Stanton on the team probably made them more attractive to sell. You would think, but then Derek Jeter just goes and gets rid of him. So I have no well, yeah, idea. Yeah, because he was at least an asset that you would right. think. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on down there. It's sad. Uh, as a Braves fan, I guess it, it's not a big deal because, hey, if the Marlins stink and continue to stink, that's good for the Braves. The Braves will be better than the Marlins, who did end up finishing in second place last year. They did, but they will not finish in second place uh, this coming baseball season. That's my bold prediction for the Major League Baseball season. I'm going to sign off on that, too. Okay, yeah, that's solid. All right, that'll wrap things up on this edition of the crossover. Man, that was the Herschel episode, episode 34. Uh, Pretty excited about that. Uh, We will not be back next week. Uh, You know, it's obviously Christmas week, so... Uh, we'll we'll work uh, work on having something for you guys uh, before the Rose Bowl, but you know for now, Bram and I have both said, yeah, Georgia's going to win, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, Georgia's going to win, and um, I guess maybe that we'll have to talk about 
you know, the the big matchup with Bama Oof. for the title. Oof. Bama, Georgia, and Atlanta. That would be wild. Yeah. No Bama, Clemson, and Atlanta would be fine, too. Or, sorry, uh, Georgia, Clemson, and Atlanta would be fine, too. It would be. Yeah. Either way, that would be a very uh, spicy regional matchup. But for Chris Brain, I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back very soon with another episode of The Crossover right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.